0: Snuff
1: production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Wednesday the 21st of July. I'm Tom Tilly and on today's briefing, Annika and I will ask, do Victorians
2: have a right to be angry at Sydney? It's like watching a replay of your favourite team losing a grand final. You know the mistakes. <laughs> your team is going to make. And you're still shouting at the screen in frustration, hoping they won't make the same mistake.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of interstate tension at the moment. Uh, We'll ask whether we're letting the pandemic divide us. That's on our briefing in a moment. Uh, First, Katrina Blouse is here with today's headlines.
3: Hey Tom, hi everyone. Well, almost 14 million Australians are now in lockdown after South Australia joined New South Wales and Victoria in bringing in strict COVID restrictions.
1: We hate putting these restrictions in place but we believe we have just one chance one chance to get this right. That's the South Australian Premier, Stephen Marshall, announcing the strict lockdown, which came into effect at six o'clock last night and is set to last for a week. And this one was sparked after the state announced two new local COVID cases yesterday, bringing the cluster in the state, which started with a return traveller to five. Yeah, it was amazing and kind of Frightening to see the Delta variant hit a third state.
3: Yeah, and um, it was sparked at a a restaurant. There was a party in a bit of a function Mm. room there um, and another person got it as well as a man in his 80s who had returned to Adelaide from hotel quarantine and later tested positive to COVID late on Sunday. I guess they just don't want to see it spread like it has done in Sydney.
1: Yeah, well, Victoria and parts of New South Wales are being hit with more lockdown restrictions as authorities in both states work to contain the Delta spread. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews confirmed yesterday they'd go into lockdown for another week after recording 13 cases yesterday. This extension is not what we want it to have to do, but it is the only option. It's what must be done. And Victorians, as always, will continue hard and fast and early
3: Yeah, so under this new timetable, Victoria's restrictions will be lifted on Tuesday night next week. So at least some light at the end of the tunnel there, Tom, unlike uh, in Sydney where you guys just have Mm. no idea how long this is going on for.
1: Yeah, that's right. And even in New South Wales, town of Orange is going into lockdown um, until Tuesday after a local worker caught COVID from a Sydney truck driver. Um, the Mayor there, Scott Ferguson, has told the ABC they've already had a strong response from residents after the news that the infected driver visited a factory last week.
2: There's no doubt it's been a concern, but the response to the COVID testing has been excellent. Uh, so hundreds of people have come through the last couple of days.
3: Yeah, even more people are expected to get tested today and in coming days, and that region has also been on high alert after three COVID-positive removalists travel to that area from Sydney over the weekend.
1: And lawyers at Victoria's Royal Commission into Crown Casino have declared it unsuitable to run the state's only casino.
2: The misconduct of Crown has been so flagrant and so well publicised and detrimental that no amount of restructuring can restore confidence in
3: Yeah, you can't get more extreme with your criticism than that, really. Uh, the council assisting the inquiry, Adrian Finanzio SC, also said Crown still owed Victoria almost $500 million in unpaid state gaming taxes. Yeah, so that Royal Commission's not going very well. Um, Crown will make their final
1: submission next month, and then the commissioner will make his judgment in October. But Crown's facing another probe in Western Australia, and that came after the New South Wales inquiry that found Crown should not be operating the Brangaroo Casino, which uh, it's already built a massive tower on.
3: It is a very exciting day here in Brisbane today, Mm -hmm. Tom, and also for female softballers with Australia's female softball team taking to the field for the first event of the Tokyo Olympics today with an opening round encounter against the host nation in Fukushima, which is just north of Tokyo.
1: That's obviously very exciting for the softball team and everyone who will be watching that. But this uh, news about Brisbane, we're going to find out this afternoon whether Brisbane gets to host the Olympics or not in 2032.
3: Yeah, between 6 pm and 7 pm, apparently that decision will be made. Look, it would be a travesty, I guess, if we don't get it because mm. we have, um, I think it's pretty much a one horse race. But, you know, the Queensland Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, who is over there, as well as the Brisbane Lord Mayor, they uh, say that, um, look, it's not a done deal. There are yeah. other nations who are interested. So it could come down to the wire still.
1: Well, they had to say that to justify their trip over there, right? <laughs> <laughs> the
3: Premier says that she's just staying in her hotel room and just for those particular Olympic Mm. functions. So she's not really swanning around and living it up. I guess that would be a bad look, right?
1: Well, she's over there. She may as well have a good time, I reckon. So what's happening in (laughs) Brisbane today? You're hosting live coverage on Channel 7 from The Gabba.
3: Yeah, that's right. Because we are the Olympic Network, this is a huge day for us. So I will be at the Gabba, which is going to be completely redeveloped from the ground up if we do get this bid. Uh, and there are fireworks at all kinds of locations right across Brisbane City, poised and ready to go off when that decision is announced.
1: Yeah, this is awesome. It's kind of the feel-good story Australia needs right now. And yes. such a great moment for Brisbane. And I, I love the strategy that a lot of the is in place but the extra stuff you're going to build for this all makes sense for the city anyway.
3: Yeah, and it's not just Brisbane that will benefit. Mm. There are venues, you know, stretching down from the Gold Coast all the way up to Noosa. So it'll be a huge boost for Southeast Queensland and you know, it will make this region come of age even more, mm. I think.
1: And the world's richest man Jeff Bezos has flown into space on board the first flight of his rocket company Blue Origin. Oh my god. <laughs> My expectations were high and they were dramatically exceeded. (laughs) (laughs)
3: That's an excitement factor of 12 out of 10 there. Uh, The Amazon founder spent 10 minutes on the flight going more than 100 kilometres into the atmosphere. And importantly, Tom, he went more than 16 kilometres higher into space uh, than uh, the Virgin boss uh, did Richard Branson the other week.
1: Yeah. So there's a bit of a debate about when you hit space. Um, Mm. The other interesting thing was who Bezos took with him. He had his brother, Mark, and then he had the oldest person ever to go into space, a female aviation pioneer, Mary Wallace Funk, she's 82, and this Dutch teenager, Oliver Damon, 18 years old, and... He got the ultimate standby flight, didn't he?
3: He sure did. And he must have a really rich dad because there was a guy who was meant to go on board. He won the flight at auction for $28 million. Might have got the heebie-jeebies at the last minute and went, you know what? I think I'm going to go on a later flight. So (laughs) this 18-year-old's dad scooped up the ticket at a bit of a discounted rate for him to go.
1: Yeah, so apparently the excuse was a scheduling commitment, but yeah, maybe maybe you're right. He's like, well, (laughs) I may as well just watch the first one, see how that goes, go on the second one. Why not?
3: Very wise.
1: All right, Katrina, we'll speak to you tomorrow. Annick is about to jump back in as we look at the way Melbournians and Victorians are responding to what's happened in the last week with the Sydney outbreak. These cases started in New South Wales. But I'm determined that they'll end here because we will put this out with the help of every single Victorian. That's Dan Andrews, the Victorian Premier, really leaning into that interstate argy-bargy. Annika, do you reckon this outbreak, which started in Sydney and has now caused a lockdown in Victoria, has brought the Sydney-Melbourne dynamic to a new low?
0: Yeah, I think it has, Tom. And I don't think it's helped by our state premiers. They pretend they don't snipe at each other. They say... I'm not going to criticise the other state while simultaneously criticising the other state's response. So I don't know if it's fueled from the top, but I don't think they're helping it. It's a
1: tough time, really, for the relationship. Clearly, this lockdown in Victoria was caused by those removalists from Sydney who travelled to a Melbourne apartment block, infected people there. One of those people travelled to the MCG. And here we are. And it's created a lot of anger in Melbourne. We saw this Facebook post from a singer called Rebecca Barnard. She wrote that her blood is boiling. And what she really wants to say is F you New South Wales for making us vulnerable again, just as we were emerging into some sort of normality. The arrogance and ignorance of you as a government thinking you're immune has potentially sent us spiraling back into lockdown. Now, Rebecca joins us now. Clearly, you were furious there, Rebecca
4: when um, New South Wales started to get more cases, we thought, come on, Gladys, do what we do, have a five-day lockdown, bang, you'll beat it. Obviously she didn't, and here we are again. It's depressing, I'll, I'll be honest, it is depressing. There's a lot of depressed people out here.
1: So how angry are you feeling, Rebecca?
4: Well, I put a rant on Facebook, which I've never done before. Or maybe years ago I did and and I really regretted it and I thought I'm never going to do that again. But I did. We want someone to blame. And then Gladys sort of uh, said, you know, that remark she made. Well, they didn't, did they? Someone talking about Melbourne, how we successfully got out of lockdown. Well, they didn't, did they? I mean, there's a... Uh, yeah, it's, it's awful. I've really targeted my anger towards her. Sorry, Gladys, but I'm a Dan supporter. I think, you know, 2020, we were all babies. We were all learning. We didn't know what it was going to be like. And I still think he's doing the right thing, the opposite to what Gladys is doing. She's so fay. Oh, well, if you want to go out, you know, just be careful. It's sort of like this irresponsible mother And Dan's like the strict father. And you need boundaries when you're growing up. And we're growing up into this pandemic.
1: So you're a muso. How much has this hit you personally?
4: Oh, massively. In a way, the 2020, the first lockdown we had was kind of a bit of a novelty to stop, to actually stop playing music, to stop trying to spruik yourself, settle yourself, you know, it was quite refreshing in a way, clean out your cupboards, go through photo albums, all that stuff. But now I'm really missing it because we just started playing again four or five weeks ago. We had 75% crowd capacity. It was sort of getting back to normal. And you get back on stage and you go, wow, I know why I do this. Having had a break and getting back, you go, it's all refreshing. And I realise... Like a lot of musicians, this is what we do. This is what keeps us alive financially and spiritually.
1: That was Rebecca in Melbourne. I think Annika are echoing what a lot of people are feeling.
0: Yeah, as somebody that's living in Melbourne now, I'm picking up on a lot of that at the moment. So on this briefing, do Victorians actually have a right to be furious at Sydney and the New South Wales government for their response? Or are we letting the pandemic get the better of us and dividing it?
1: Yeah, well, Raf Epstein's the host of ABC Melbourne Drive, so it's a primetime talkback show, which means he gets a front row seat to the way people are feeling and the way they've been feeling the whole way along. Raf, thanks for joining us. You've got the text line, you've got the phones buzzing each day. What are you picking up? Are Victorians really angry?
2: <laughs> of course there is. They're bloody furious. <laughs> so totally away from the politics of it all. Looking at it now... They went too slow, right? Sydney went too slow. People in Melbourne are angry. We went too slow last year. Melbourne went too slow, which is why it dragged out so long and and got so bad. I think I wrote that line. It's like watching a replay of your favourite team losing a grand final. You know the mistakes (laughs) your team is going to make. And you're still shouting at the screen in frustration, hoping they won't make the same mistake. So that was very much the Melbourne experience. And yeah, totally. they're pissed off with the government in New South Wales. There's no doubt about that whatsoever.
0: Do you think that the uh, anger towards Gladys Berejiklian this time is the same anger people felt towards Dan Andrews during the 2020 lockdown?
2: Oh no, it's not as it's not as white hot as that. Uh, I don't think you're going to get that anger again. I guess you're asking me how partisan it is, um, hmm. and we are, as John Howard said, the Massachusetts of Australia. So we're <laughs> clearly the, the left leaning state. There are others, but you know we're the sort of the biggest left leaning state. So some of it's partisan actually the most interesting conversations I have are with the Labor strategists or diehard Labor people who are furious with Dan Andrews' um, obsessive control of detail um, and then the Liberal Party people and their Liberal Party people who are furious with their own party for their approach to the pandemic and very, very angry at Gladys Berejiklian. I guess what I'm saying is it's like every other plague in human history, it's completely turning the tables. It's, it's not turning the table; It's flipping the table over and all of the cutlery and all of the food gets spilled.
0: It's interesting because being someone that speaks to pollies, I find that too. A lot of federal Labor MPs were terribly angry at the, state government, yep. the Labor state government yep. last year, but had to bite their tongue. And we also know now that it seems Scott Morrison and some of his ministers were urging Gladys Berejiklian to go harder. But I don't feel that view is always seen by the public. As much as we try and tell them, you know, people like to think that everybody lines up uh, in a party or in a viewpoint, and that they all get along. And this also implies that everyone within Gladys's cabinet and Dan's cabinet and all their chief oh. health officers they all agree. But you would know that this isn't the case, right?
2: No, no, they don't all agree, and, and uh, there, were, there were ministers upset with the chief health officer down here. Um, it's very clear in New South Wales there were ministers. Even back, I mean, I was told even last year that Gladys Berejiklian and wanted to go harder, but she stopped by Dominic Perrottet, the treasurer and the other on the right of her party. I mean, who knows? I think people underestimate how much that crazy cacophony of conversation between journalists and the media actually pulls politicians away from where they might want to be. But it's not as though Scott Morrison and Gladys Berejiklian control all the levers. They don't. Even though they're part of a media ecosystem and people might think they've got their favourites, they get pulled along by the tide as well. I think people underestimate the power of the pandemic. We're all swimming in a rip, politicians included.
1: Raph, do you think some of the anger people in um, Victoria are feeling now towards New South Wales stems from last year and the pain that they felt at the time Being criticized or looked down on by people from other states.
2: Of course, absolutely. (laughs) Um, There's no doubt that because people were hammering Victoria, for a lot of it was legitimate and a lot of it was not legitimate. I've said a lot publicly that, you know, why on earth do we spend all that time on who hired the bloody security guards? Who cares? The media didn't spend nearly enough time saying, hang on, the function of the Victorian Health Department is to keep Victorians healthy. Why weren't the department training the security guards, showing the security guards what to do? But yes, people are furious in Victoria because we learned some really brutal lessons and people just kept on consistently saying, Dan Andrews is stuffing up, Dan Andrews is stuffing up, Dan Andrews is stuffing up. They did stuff up, right? And the brutal lessons weren't picked up and carried to other states. That's a failure of leadership.
1: So that's an interesting dynamic. And I guess as someone who's lived this from Sydney, I got a bit more of a taste of it this time around where mm-hmm. hearing people from other states criticise your government's response, strangely and surprisingly becomes a bit personal because you're living <laughs> that response. So if someone from Victoria attacks Gladys's response... They're attacking the way you're living at that time. And I imagine that was a multiplier effect in in Victoria where the cost was so much bigger last year that anyone criticising your government, uh, it felt like they were criticising you and your life that you were living at that point. And that's why it goes to a whole other level of frustration and anger
2: and interstate rivalry. The plague is a deep, dark, truthful mirror. One of the things we are all being shown is the reflection that we are, in many ways, much more Victorians than Australians. We are far more a part of New South Wales than we are Australia, simply because Gladys Berejiklian has a lot more control over my life when I live in Penrith, because she can tell me not to leave my local government area. She can tell me not to go to work. It's her fault if I can't get a COVID test. It's also her I've got to cheer on so that my kids can go to school. I mean, it's a huge revealer of what's really going on in this country. Again, I don't know that people are aware of all of that, but you're 100% right. When you criticise Gladys Berejiklian, you are implicitly criticising me if I live in Bondi or Bankstown. And it does it. It hurts in a visceral way. Mm.
1: To get to the core of this fury about uh, the Sydney outbreak affecting Victorians now, it seems like, and I've seen you sort of push this view as well, that Victorians said, well, we learnt the hard lessons. Why aren't you... Learning from that and enacting that right now.
2: There's a lot of blame to go around, right? It's a pandemic. There's a ton of blame. Mm. Everyone is to blame. You actually really want to know how someone's stuffed up. Mm. I, I keep on pushing this point because I'm very concerned for my friends in Sydney. Defining essential work is easy. Going into the essential workplace and making sure they're wearing their masks in the break room is hard the tough nitty gritty work that it took the Department of Health in Victoria a long time to realise what they needed to do. That's a really difficult lesson. The blame game is going to go on for decades. Um, There is going to be no unified story on who got it right and who got it wrong. This is what plagues do. It's not normal. Pandemic means the disease is everywhere and it infiltrates every part of our lives. So don't expect the division to end soon. Hmm.
0: I just wanted to ask on that division finally, I go to press conferences every day and I hear Dan Andrews say, I'm not going to be critical (laughs) of Gladys Berejiklian. And equally, we hear Gladys Berejiklian say that while simultaneously taking swipes at each other. How much do you think the way they deal with it, even if it is trying to do it subtly, actually makes us line up and pit each other against each other? Do you think our leaders are assisting by saying these things?
2: Oh, there's no doubt they stoke it. You know, Dan Andrews the other day when all the journalists were trying to ask questions, hang on, hang on, it's Melbourne, right? I'll stay here and answer all your questions. You know, there's just constant, they're constantly (laughs) slipping little shivs into each other. And I'm okay with it for a very, very significant reason. I can't vote out Brett Sutton. People in Sydney can't vote out Kerry Chant. People have to be accountable. The only way they can really be held accountable is if we can vote them out. Uh, If we can vote them out, they have to be politicians. If they're going to be politicians, they're going to be political. I'm okay with it. It's that terrible Churchill quote. It's a rubbish system, but it's the only system we've got.
1: Raph Epstein from ABC Melbourne. What do you make of that, Annika?
2: Yeah,
0: I think he makes a point. But I think this is far more partisan than, uh, I guess, state-based. I think people are um, happy to back their leader and and see this really through a political prism. The same people that are blaming Gladys for mistakes up there weren't necessarily blaming Dan Andrews for policy mistakes. He may have made.
1: Yeah, well, there's inconsistency all over the place, and that's, I think, because it's such a complex situation people are dealing with. Tomorrow on the briefing, we're looking at the pain the music industry is feeling right now and they've been feeling throughout the pandemic, and also bringing you what might be a little ray of light for that sector.
3: Listener,